from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to download our ministry smartphone app. You can watch all of our programs as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. Just go to the App Store for your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. On April 10, 1912, the RMS Titanic departed Southampton, England on its maiden voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. At the time, the Titanic was thought to be the world's fastest ship. Because of the technology used to build it, the Titanic was thought to be unsinkable. It was built with 16 watertight compartments in the hull that would safely allow for four of those compartments to be flooded while the boat still maintained its buoyancy. But four days into its voyage, the Titanic was sailing along smoothly until the unthinkable happened. That unsinkable ship struck an iceberg and descended 12,000 feet into the ocean depths, causing 1,500 people to perish. One of the main reasons for the high amount of casualties was because there weren't enough lifeboats on board. Only 700 people survived the disaster. In a way, you and I are in a similar situation as the passengers on the Titanic. How so? Dr. D. James Kennedy explains in his gripping message, Saved? Or lost. Now may we hear the word of our God. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, That he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, 
for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And may God speak to us today from his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. On the evening of April 14th, shortly before midnight, there was a slight jar aboard the great ship. It was imperceptible to almost everyone except a few of the officers. There was no other sound. And unbeknownst to all of the passengers, however, a great iceberg had sliced open the side of the unsinkable Titanic. With a gash 300 feet long, and all of the watertight compartments could not save the doomed ship. The Titanic, the pride of Britain's Navy, the greatest ship in all of the world, almost 900 feet of ponderous metal, steel, wood began to fill with water. And the frigid, salty waters of the North Atlantic, 1,600 miles from land, began to fill the lower compartments of that ship. Finally, it was realized by all the Titanic was going down. Man the lifeboats was the order. And so the, the 20 lifeboats, the 20 lifeboats holding about one-third of the 2,200 people on board were filled. And they departed from the ship as people rode eagerly to escape the downpull of that ship. But 1,513 people remained on board. And after a while, suddenly everybody stopped rowing. Many people began to point. And there this enormous ship began to rise out of the water and the stern came completely out of the water until the, repeller, the propellers were seen dripping water back into the ocean. And up and up and up it went. Now, 1,500 people were on this gigantic ocean liner and 700 others were in, in rowboats in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It would appear that the people on this huge ship were safer than the people in the little boats. But of course we know that was not true. For suddenly, 
The ship began to slide beneath the waves. The strains of nearer my God to thee faded away. People in the boat screamed, and those on the ship prepared to meet their God as the icy waters swept over them and the mass of the ship pulled them down into the depths. They were lost at sea, said the headlines of papers all over the world. Fifteen hundred people had met an untimely and totally unexpected end to their lives. Those that survived would never ever forget that day. It had an impenetrable impact upon their minds and hearts. Captain Gracie was one such man, an older man, retired captain. He wasn't the captain of the Titanic. But he had worked indefatigably to help load the lifeboats and repeatedly had said, we must get everyone, we must get them all into the lifeboats. Maybe he didn't realize there was not even close to enough lifeboats. But he worked as long as he could and then practically collapsing, this old man was taken aboard. He survived one more year and his, his last words before he died were, we must get them all into the lifeboats. And as that ship was beginning to sink and those 20 lifeboats were stopped in the ocean several hundred yards away, pointing back at the great ship, lifting their hands in awe and terror and anguish. I thought, what a great picture that is of the whole human race. And what a chasm lies between them. Oh, I'm sure that some of the ships were no more than 100, 150 yards away. But in fact, they were light years away. Those in the lifeboats were saved. Those on the ship were lost to the very last man. And so it is that there is a great chasm in this world between the saved and the lost. And I wonder which group you are in. Are you in the lifeboat? Or are you on the sinking ship of this world, which seemed so firm and which seemed like not even God could sink it? The whole world is divided into those two camps. Jesus made it very clear there are the saved and the lost, there are the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares, the good fish and the bad And so it is that Christ divided the world, not right in half, but nevertheless the division is real, for many there are that are on the way to destruction, and few there be that find the way to life, just like the picture of the Titanic. Yes, the SOSs had been sent out, the rockets had been fired from the ship's deck, And yet no one came 
at least in time, to rescue the majority of people. In the case with Christ, no SOS went out, no rockets were fired, but knowing the plight of man and because of the great love wherewith he loved us, he came himself. For he says in the scripture that we read today, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save the lost. The difficult thing sometimes is trying to get people to realize they're lost. I have, in some ways, the, the very difficult task of trying to get people into light boats before it's hit the iceberg. That's not easy, is it? That is, people don't believe that the ship is going to sink, and therefore they don't want to get into the lifeboat. It is a very difficult thing to convince some people of their need of a lifeboat, of their need of a savior, because everything seems to be going well, their business is thriving, their home is beautiful, they have their vacation planned, and why should they be concerned about the lifeboats? But you see, we have a book, and that book tells us that the ship is going to hit an iceberg, and it's going to sink, and therefore we must seek a lifeboat. Now, not in exactly those words, but that is the message that the Bible gives to us. Now, the newspaper echoes at least a part of that every day. I was just looking at the paper yesterday, and I went down that left-hand column of things which said, talked about arson and the burning of a building. It talked about murder. It talked about kidnapping. It talked about rape. It talked about one evil after another after another. You know, it occurs to me that you really don't need to read your newspaper anymore because I can tell you what it's going to say. They, they just ought to have one big headline and use it every single day. And that headline should say, We are lost. And all of the rest are just the details. We are lost. And I just wanted to say that because some of you have been reading the paper for years and you haven't gotten it yet. But that's the message. The whole human race is lost. As the Apostle Paul tells us, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The whole world is in sin. And already the icy waters are filling the lower compartments of the souls of some of you. And some of you could feel those waters washing around your ankles if you were really sensitive. Who knows? Certainly those that walked up the gangplank in England never suspected that they would be going down into the icy depths of the North Atlantic. Prepare to meet your God, and if you're not prepared, you are a fool. Because, dear friends, when all is said and done, when life is over, when all of the trials have passed, when the triumphs have been recorded, and where everything is wrapped up, the ultimate and final and only significant question then is, 
will be, are you saved or are you lost? In the final few minutes for those 2,200 people on that ship, in those final climactic moments, there was only one significant question. It wasn't your bank account. Aster was on board that ship. It wasn't your vacation plans. It was simply one thing. Were you on the ship or were you in the lifeboat? That was the only thing, finally, that mattered at all. How many times we ignore the warnings, the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to ask you a question. I don't want to ask you if you are saved. I want to ask you this. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever realized that if you were to die that very moment, that you would go to hell? That's what it means to be lost. To be lost from God, to be lost to holiness, to be lost to his love and fellowship, to be lost to his purposes for your life, to be solely occupied in yourself, you and your own, me, my, and mine. That's what it means to be lost. And I would ask you this, have you ever realized and known that you were lost? If you have never been lost, you've never been saved. Because the one indispensable prerequisite for being saved is being lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Which boat are you in, my friend? The Son of Man is come. You know, that's a, an unusual a very, it's a, a unique title, isn't it? Son of Man. What does that mean? One thing, it means that there is a, another and higher nature. Wouldn't it be ludicrous, ridiculous, for Peter or Paul or John or James or myself or you or anyone else, to use that as his title. To repeatedly, and it was Christ's favorite title for himself, to call oneself, I who am the Son of Man. What an affectation of some kind of condescension. It would be intolerable. It would be nauseating. I am a son of man. Well, of course you are, stupid. What do you want us to think you are? But Jesus, when he said that, was implying that there was a higher nature that also was his. He was the son of God. He was the eternal creator of the universe. He was the Lord of lords and king of kings. 
the Redeemer of mankind. May it come that we might have life forevermore. That's the Son of Man. And also it implies the universal attraction and identification of Christ with everyone. He was not just the son of an Israelite, the son of an Englishman, the son of a Scotsman, the son of a Chinese. He was the son of man. And therefore he could say, I will draw all men unto myself. A universal nature of Christ. And so, old and young, black and white, red and yellow, Scottish and those from the jungles of Borneo, all are attracted to Christ. This universal one, this God in human flesh, has come to die for us, to take our sins upon himself, to seek and to save that which was lost. Ah, my friend, we never know, as they never knew, how close that day may be. This could be the day that you meet your God. Are you ready? All that you have, you would give for one minute to accept Christ. Everlasting happiness and joy. Everlasting pain and punishment. Which will it be? The sinking ship or the lifeboat, which is Christ? May we pray. Father, there are some here who have never been lost, or rather more accurately, who have always been lost and have never known it. They have trusted in their own morality, benevolence, piety, and goodness. And they do not realize that all of those things are in thy sight but filthy rags, that they are a stench in thy nostrils that Thou knowest every thought and word and deed, secret and public, that they have ever done, and that they are unacceptable in thy sight. And yet, by your infinite grace, you sent your Son to wash them whiter than snow with his own blood, to clothe them in the white robes of his own righteousness, if they will confess their sin and invite Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. May some right now say to you, Lord Jesus, I am lost. Save me. In thy name. Amen. Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, Senior Pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, which was founded by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Did you pray with Dr. Kennedy just now, admitting that you're lost and in need of a savior? If you did, then you have begun the greatest adventure of your life. And to help you begin to grow in your new faith, we'd like to send you Beginning Again. In these pages, you'll find the Gospel of John from the New Testament. It's a wonderful place to start your Bible reading. I suggest you read a chapter a day. 
You'll find answers to some of the questions you may have about the Christian faith and so much more. This book is our gift to you when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Just remember to ask for Beginning Again, and may God bless you. Dr. Kennedy today shared with us the urgency of our condition before God. Part of the reason so many did not survive the Titanic is that they were too late to understand the true danger in what was happening. And that's something that's happening culturally in our very own day. Did you know that our culture and the world are greatly shaped today by people who died long ago? Though they are no longer with us, their ideas continue to mold and shape our culture, many of them in destructive ways. It is vital for you to understand how people like Karl Marx and Charles Darwin play a decisive role in world events today. We want to send you an important book about this called Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave by Dave Breeze. The ideas of these seven men, including Marx, Darwin, Sigmund Freud, and John Dewey, still exert a powerful unseen influence on our daily lives. Find out how and discover how the truth of Christ contradicts them in this powerful book. We'll send you Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free. 888-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org One of those seven men, Karl Marx, propounded economic theories that are still in vogue today to the detriment of millions of people. Yet even in America, his ideas are still popular. Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders holds to Marx's ideas, as do many others. It is crucial that you know the flaws with Marx's system and why it should be abandoned in America. We expose the truth in a hard-hitting DVD program called Three Big Lies of Socialism, and we'll send it to you as well as the book Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. As you donate, you will be helping us to broadcast gospel preaching and biblical analysis on the major cultural issues of our time. You will also be helping us to make a difference through initiatives like our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship in Washington, D.C., and our lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center. So please, Give generously. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics 
We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.